Welcome back to the Edge Athlete Lounge podcast. I'm Laura Ohms and hosting this episode that contains four different segments with four different voices. This episode is all about the 2018 year of the complete athlete, our theme at Edge this year. What is a complete athlete, you ask? Well, at Edge, we decided it consists of four parts, fueling, civic engagement, grind, and intention. Lydia Nader, dietitian at Edge, discusses fueling. Shauna Carter, Edge coach and head of our volunteer efforts, talks on civic engagement. Chris Mosier, Hall of Fame triathlete, All-American duathlete, and four-time member of Team USA, shares his thoughts on the daily grind we commit to as athletes, especially during these winter months. And I spend some time talking about intention and goals as athletes during different seasons of life. So sit back, listen on, and ignite your vision to be a complete athlete this year. All right. Welcome, Lydia. Great to have you on the podcast today. It's great to be here. So Lydia, um, as I mentioned in the intro, she's a registered dietitian, among many other things. Um, So first, why don't you start um, with sharing a little bit of your background um, as a registered dietitian? Yeah, so um, my background as a registered dietitian, I started my undergraduate education at The Ohio State University, um, and then post that, I decided to go on and get my master's in nutrition and wellness, wanted a holistic view on nutrition, and got that from Benedictine University along with my dietetic internship, so did that in an accelerated program, got my experience in a lot of different areas of nutrition and dietetics. And then um, post that grad, I got my uh, registration and then licensure here for the state of Illinois and been practicing with athletes throughout those six years of education. Um, But yeah. That's awesome. And um, so you sounds like you have like a special focus on working with athletes, at least currently, correct? Correct. Yes. And so tell me a little bit more about that, why you especially enjoy working with athletes. So I've always been, I've been a runner for 16 years of my life. Um, So athletics has always been a big part of my life. Um, I wasn't a collegiate athlete. um, And so nutrition was kind of the way I could focus on still looking at how a body works and looking at how it functions and nutrition became that, that, that area that I could focus on. Uh, And so I've always been motivated to work with athletes because they are a motivated group of individuals. Um, And also just seeing how food can really impact their performance. Um, Growing up, my mom (laughs) graciously um, made sure that I was eating healthy all the time as Mm -hmm. I was running cross country and competing. Um, And I didn't really understand why as my teammates were eating Chipotle or McDonald's and they would be eating it close to track meets and things like that. And they would Mm -hmm. do just fine and perform better than I would um, in meets. And so it didn't make sense to me. Um, But looking at it now, long term, seeing how nutrition can truly impact um, later on in life and then long-term health outside of athletics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it's fascinating to me to see how what you put into your body really is the fuel that powers you through your day and then for your mm. sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking probably like in high school in those earlier days, like it, maybe it doesn't matter quite as much, but as we're getting older and doing maybe more like endurance um, focused sports and training, maybe it makes a bigger difference. I don't know. Is that true? Do you think? Definitely true. Um, doing, you know, a 400 meter dash in high school (laughs) is very different than, um, doing a marathon now and what that fueling looks like. So that's also where understanding the differences in, you know, running a 5k cross country is very different than running a marathon and what the temperatures are and things like that. So understanding those little minute details that, you know, affect what your fueling looks like so sure so like um whether or not you're doing a short race or a long race um fueling matters and you you could support any athlete doing any distance with giving them some tips for for what that distance would look like. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Um, endurance athletes are definitely my focus, um, okay. but I've worked with team sports, um, football, um, soccer, um, uh-huh. and then, you know, team sports when it comes to cross country and what that looks like from a group standpoint. So helping people in, in groups that are competing um, mm-hmm. in terms of those numbers and stuff. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you've um, given a couple of 
I don't know what you call lectures or talks at Edge, Mm -hmm. um, where actually Lydia's on staff there. I don't think I said that yet. Um, So she's there a lot of the time, but uh, has also been able to impart some of her wisdom um, through that avenue to athletes there, too. Yeah. And those have been really great, too, because I have conversations all the time, um, both in and out of Edge, about nutrition. And people are hungry for information on how they can not only perform better in their respective sports, but also just become healthier overall and mm-hmm. feel better throughout their days. Um, yeah. Probably one of the number one questions I get is, you know, have the afternoon slump. And so like that's most of the time it's so easy to fix that, but people don't really know how that process works, what they're fueling with. And that fueling also includes drinking and drinking water and what, what that looks like and mm-hmm. caffeine and all these different components. Sure. So um, being able to impart wisdom like that, like that daily fueling for not just your actual competition or your actual workout, but mm-hmm. your day to day. Cause we're not athletes 24 seven. We're, we're human beings and what that fueling looks like for that 24 seven. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good point. Um, and then for you as an athlete in your personal journey, I know this past year you especially had some highlights. Um, yes. Do you want to talk about those a little bit and maybe share how fueling made a difference for you? Yeah. Um, so going into 2017, athletic-wise, um, I was training for Boston, um, and that was you know kind of this highlight, and I was really excited for it. I had qualified and got in and was running for it. Um, and that race didn't go as planned. Um, and looking back, it was a little bit of training, but a lot of it had to do with fueling, I think, um, and the mm. and the conditions of the day. Sure. Um, but I left that race hungry, um, hungry for more and hungry to see what I could do better. And so um, training through the summer can be a grueling time, um, high humidity, especially here in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, high heat. And so fueling is really keyed for that. Um, not even just your pre-fuel, but your electrolytes, your hydration that becomes so crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started playing around a little bit more with my own personal nutrition cause I'm my best Guinea pig. Uh, sure, so yeah. that's, what was fun this past summer and kind of found the best fueling for myself, started running with handheld, which I never thought I would be doing. Um, and was able to train for Berlin, uh, marathon and, completely crush my goals. Um, I was able to go from a goal of a 315 to a 312. Wow, um, that's amazing. Congratulations. On a day that was 95% humidity and raining, oh. um, but it didn't affect me. Um, and I think partial mental, but also mm-hmm. I think it was it was a lot of the nutrition and staying confident in the nutrition that mm-hmm. leading up to the race, I really had a good taper week nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then race day, I was prepared for whatever would come. I had salt tabs in different places in case they <laughs> fell out. I had so goos in different places. Um, and I had my handheld and I was ready to go and I didn't have to worry about fueling stations. I was my own fueling station from start yeah. to finish of that race. And Amazing. it really made the biggest difference for okay. myself. Yeah, that's great. Well, congrats on an amazing year and amazing race. It's very exciting. Um, So would you say you're an advocate then for handheld fuel to have your own? Absolutely. Um, I think no matter what race you're running, whether it be here in the United States or even international, um, I think that having control over your nutrition, even Mm -hmm. more so than timing out the stations uh, for fueling, I think it is, it's a comfort thing. Um, I think when, as athletes, a lot of us are type A individuals and we like to be able to control things. <laughs> yep. So it's just one more thing you can control. Um, I'm not, I don't believe that it slows you down. I know a lot of people are like, well, that's going to weigh me down. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't. You can find the right handheld. You can, you know, I know a lot of athletes who run with their hydration packs and they do just fine. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not a way down. It's actually a benefit in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people grasping that idea. Yeah, so, that's yeah. great. That's a, a good tip. Um, so, you know, looking at year 2018 at Edge, um, we have this idea of uh, the complete athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're talking about these four different segments, um, this one being fueling. Um, how would you say fueling and nutrition is part of um, creating a complete athlete? I would say that what you put into your body from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed is the fuel that's going to power you for your workouts, mm-hmm. for your day. Um, and that 
that's so crucial um, in mm-hmm. how you're going to gain benefits from your workouts. Um, the biggest thing I think people, you know, are just coming out of the year of the PR mm-hmm. um, and people had great successes, and but people are still hungry. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I could could see people benefiting from is seeing how their food can work for them and gaining the benefits from their workouts. Cause you're working really hard. You want to gain the benefits and your fueling is a big part of that. If you're, you know, not fueling with, with a, a good amount of protein and carbohydrates, mm-hmm. 30 to 45 minutes after a hard, intense workout, whether it be a tempo run, a speed run, or even a long run that might mm-hmm. have a little bit of workout in there or an intense bike ride, um, I know Annie's class is an intense one. So things like that. (laughs) um, Then you're not really gaining the benefits of rebuilding those muscle fibers and allowing them to heal with mm-hmm. from within because we do the recovery on the outside and all of that right but what you put into your body is really what makes you that complete athlete and refuel and recover from the inside mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. really where it comes down to getting the biggest benefit out of what you're putting in so mm-hmm. allowing your body to help you along the way mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's my dog taylor <laughs> sorry about that um yeah, that's so well said. I feel like that that's a really perfect summary. And um, I think something that's tricky about fueling, which I was thinking as you were talking, is that um, it's invisible once you put it in your body. So it's hard to see, and we're such visual beings, many of us. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we can see like what we're putting in before we put it in, but like to see what it's doing for us inside and how it's working for us, um, maybe it's easy to dismiss it because we're not able to actually see that. But like you're a person that could help us understand that, I think, a lot more. Yeah. So, yeah. And a big thing with that, too, is um, the idea of mindful eating. Uh, you mm-hmm. can't forget about your food if you're practicing mindful eating, which is the idea of basically meditation for your food and you're really taking in the whole experience of eating. So you're paying attention to your chewing, you're Mm -hmm. paying attention to what the textures and the smells and all of the things Mm -hmm. that surround that experience of eating. Mm -hmm. Um, Also understanding the source of the food and making it bigger than just this piece of food that's in front of me or this drink that's in front of me, but Mm -hmm. what's the story behind it? And it Mm. creates a better experience positively for a lot of individuals, Mm -hmm. um, which goes into that complete wholesome athlete. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well said. The mindful eating too also piques my interest because I practice that in other ways, but not so much with food. So it's something that I'll have to talk to you more about. Yeah. Um, Okay. Awesome. Well, let's just wrap up um, with, Uh, if you could just provide maybe a top few um, generic tips for athletes um, in terms of their fueling, what are like a couple things that you would say are really important for most athletes to remember? So I would say the top three things that I get a lot of questions about and Mm -hmm. I answer most frequently. um, Number one, when you have either a long ride or a long run or a competition of some kind, Refueling, um, so loading up your carbohydrate stores um, and your protein stores, that needs to happen. Um, you know, a lot of times the long workout or things like that are on Saturdays. That needs to happen starting on Thursday and mm. go until Friday mid-afternoon or so. What you eat on Friday evening for a long workout on fr- or on Saturday is not going to necessarily benefit you in terms of fueling the muscles. Mm. GI issue wise, that might cause some issues, but really that fueling is that two days before that, that evening dinner on Thursday is so crucial. Um, allows your body to process all of those, uh, macronutrients, um, and utilize them on that day when you need it. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's one, one, number one thing that I hear. Um, number two, um, enjoying your food. Um, I'm a big component of balance and enjoying your food and don't like the word restriction. Um, I think we can go into a new year and especially in the new year, we go into it with like, I'm going to have a diet and I'm going to, you know, cut these things out. And if there's, there's foods and things like that that are causing, you know, actual issues and things like that, you know, I can work with someone to kind of figure out what those foods are and how we can eliminate them. So that way you can be a more complete athlete. Um, but enjoying that 80-20 rule. Um, So 80% of your food um, and intake should be healthy, wholesome food. Mm -hmm. But 20% can be that quote-unquote cheat 
food. So, you know, mm -hmm. I still enjoy my pizza and still enjoy my donuts. I know Chicago's <laughs> known for those. Um, but that's 20%. You know, most okay. of the time it's going to be your salads or your, you know, my lean meats or... Mm -hmm. um, you know, my fruit and yogurt and all those different things. Sure. Um, so creating that balance within life, I uh -huh. think, is the, is the biggest thing, especially going into a new year. Cool. And then what's number three? Number three would be hydration. Um, I thought I kind of mentioned that a little bit before, um, but really honing in on that hydration during a workout. And it doesn't have to necessarily be electrolyte specific, um, as that can be something that... Uh, you can do well beforehand if you really tone in on that electrolyte balance before a workout. Mm -hmm. You might just need water. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, especially in this winter time. We mm -hmm. might forget about holding a handheld. In the summertime, it's a lot more common. Yep. Um, but we are still sweating. We are still losing um, our um, our water content on it from our bodies mm -hmm. in the wintertime. We might not see it as much because we're not sweating as much as we might in the summertime. But it's so crucial. So whether that's a handheld or you're making sure you're drinking water right after a workout, mm -hmm. um, it's so easy to get dehydrated in the wintertime because we're not focused on that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Great reminders. Um, I know for me when I'm doing winter running, I absolutely forget to drink because mm -hmm. it's just not the same feel as summer, but still so important. So really good reminder for me also. Yeah. Um, great. Well, thank you, Lydia. Um, those are some awesome tips packed into just a few minutes. So hopefully that will support all of you athletes out there and, uh, and remember how important and significant fueling is to have an amazing 2018. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Welcome, Shauna. It is great to have you with us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Um, so Shauna is on staff at Edge. She's actually you're the longest standing staff member, correct? Correct. Besides, obviously, Robin and Brian. Right. Besides the owners. When did you start working at Edge, actually? I started in February of 2015. Okay. So coming up three-year three anniversary. Wow. I'm pretty That's sure there's awesome. going to be a big party. <laughs> there totally should be a big party for you. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I would say, well, you're probably around Edge the most in terms of staff people because I think you're, you work there the most. So most yes. people know exactly who you are. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, so Shauna's pretty well known around here. Um, and she uh, has some highlights as an athlete and is also on um, the coaching consortium at Edge. So we'll just start with hearing a little bit of your background as an athlete. How about maybe some highlights the last five years or so? Okay. Well, basically, I started running leisurely after high school, and then that just kind of progressed to maybe two miles a day. I know that sounds crazy, but that was it. And then roughly seven, eight years ago, I started getting a little more serious and doing some more distance runs because I would get roped into it by a neighbor that ran and I would go out and run progressively with her. And then she would sucker me into a half marathon over the weekend, which <laughs> sounds crazy, but they were really kind of run walk. So it wasn't too bad. And then I would say I wanted to start getting a little more serious and I didn't really have a lot of other running friends in the community. So that's when I actually started my, I guess you would say volunteer epic travels, I guess, not quite mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, I started volunteering basically for CES as a pacer okay. and that's how I started to get into it a little bit more, which then led me down the path to coaching with mm -hmm. CES and then wanted to do it even more, which now I am obviously with edge. So yeah. all of that. And I mean, that turned into marathons and ultra marathons and, you know, mm -hmm. lifting weights and just kind of being that complete athlete that yeah, we're, that we're talking, talking about, about. For yeah. 2018. So it sounds like your journey, like as an athlete and coach are kind of like intertwined over the years. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. It, yeah. it started more, just to make friends and be involved in the community, honestly, because I didn't have anyone. But mm -hmm. the more I paced and saw how much people relied on me and then came to me for information and advice, which seemed so crazy at the time, mm -hmm. um, that 
I just started to love it even more and I wanted to be able to help more. And I think that's what made me say, like, I think I could do this coaching thing. I mean, it's still scary from time to time, but I really enjoy helping people Mm -hmm. no matter how big or small. Yeah, that's awesome. And you've worked with a variety of athletes too. Those who are like run walking and just beginning their running career and also Boston bound athletes. Yeah. Um, It's hard because, you know, every athlete is so different as you're saying, Mm -hmm. and they all have their own challenges in them. And I can't say that I really love one more than the other. With my past couple years of injury, I've, you know, gravitated more towards the run walker because that's kind of where I've been. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, a Boston bound person is so hungry to do more that it's a, it's a different kind of coaching with them. So every day is a different challenge with athletes, no matter who you're coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree with that. And you mentioned, um, an injury for yourself. So, Um, that's a huge bummer and it's been kind of ongoing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, it started right after I ran the Boston marathon in 2015. It, I didn't know what it was exactly at first. And like most runners, we just continue to run through it thinking it'll eventually go away and it did not. And then it turns out I had a stress fracture in my sacrum. If you're not familiar with that, go ahead and Dr. Google it, and he'll he'll direct you to a photo. But basically, it's in your butt. Uh, so painful. Yes. And uh, then I had to take about eight weeks off from running in general. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I, I think that it was me trying to continue to run through that that started causing overcompensation issues. So when I okay. tried to get back into it, it was just kind of one thing after another that eventually led to a meniscus tear in my right oh. knee. And now I'm a year out from the initial tear and eight months out from surgery and mm-hmm. still still not back to where I was even prior to hardcore training. I'm just still yeah. struggling day to day. Mm-hmm. So trying to find ways to stay sane at this point, honestly. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that honestly sounds awful. And um, I will say that throughout this experience, as I've talked to Shauna here and there, she has an extremely positive attitude and is just, you know, always trying to look on the bright side and um, really stay involved and engaged in the community at Edge despite her own injury. So I really appreciate that about you, Shauna. Thank you. Um, but actually, that kind of like leads us to um, my next question, which is, um, you know, you are a person that's very involved in um, community opportunities and serving other people, um, which is something that's important to us at Edge and the culture there. So um would you say, like, since you've been injured, has that provided more, like, time and space to do those activities? Is that partly why you've, you know, become more involved in those things? I think so. I mean, obviously, I'm not the one that's out racing on a Saturday or Sunday. So yeah. if I'm not at work, then it does give me that opportunity to go out to races a lot is actually how it all started in terms of really, like, diving into the community volunteering outside of like CES, um, Mm -hmm. I would just sign up to volunteer at races and be a part of that. Cause I knew how important it was to have volunteers from being on the opposite side of it and competing. Right. So I wanted to start doing that. And then, yeah, now that I'm, I'm not racing, I am able to go out and volunteer, whether it's, you know, volunteering at races, um, the packet pickup or, you know, putting Mm -hmm. them together, whatever, Mm -hmm. to helping at a finish line and whatnot. There's all of that. But that's only the athlete side of it. There's so much more out there that Mm -hmm. you can volunteer at. I know we also have a kind of a monthly opportunity to go to a local nursing home and it's doing pet therapy with the local nursing home. So Mm -hmm. you don't actually have to have a pet. We go on the dog night because Edge is, I think, like 70% dog owners or something. (laughs) But you don't have to have a dog. You can just be a person that shows up because there's over probably eight to 10 people that show up with pets and you're kind of Uh paired up. So you can just go and you basically visit this nursing home over off of diversity in Sheffield and you 
visit people that either don't have family or just don't have anyone that comes to see them. And Uh especially now during the holidays, it's a key time, I think. Nobody should have to feel alone during the holidays. So Mm -hmm. doing that alone is one of the big things. Um, We do have that monthly, but the holidays, it's really key. So if you're able to be a part of it at the holidays, that's a huge one to do. And so when you're saying we, you mean like at Edge. So this is an ongoing monthly opportunity yes, through Edge. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we do offer that. Uh, Robin has been a big part of that for the last few years. I can't even mm-hmm. remember at this point, but she does every third Monday of the month. So yeah. every third Monday of the month, we like to try to put together um, a group, no matter how big or small, because it's not just selective to us. They do it through the Chicago Cares program. Okay. So they have people that sign up to do it as well. Mm-hmm. But because Edge is our own mini community that Mm -hmm. we like to step out into the big community. So being able to bring some people of our own over there and showing Mm -hmm. them that there's more out there other Mm -hmm. than, like I said, volunteering at races or just kind of staying in that little bubble. It's just, it's really exciting to get everybody involved. Yeah. I've seen some photos from some of the ventures over there at the nursing home and it it looks like just a fun and really meaningful experience. Yeah, it's, it is. It's really great. So it's, it's hard heartwarming is I guess a really good way to put it yeah that's awesome so that's a monthly opportunity that's been offered for a while actually um and um so that's ongoing but then we also have a renewed vision at edge now moving forward and actually even started this fall um to provide opportunities each month like a new opportunity each month so can you share a little bit about what we've done thus far so we started back up. We always had it loosely as Laura was saying, but now it's, we'd like to try to do it monthly where we offer something in addition to pet therapy is Mm -hmm. that, uh, November was our first kind of big push for it. And it was, uh, with the Chicago basket brigade. And essentially a group of us went down to, it was in Pilsen. We went down to Pilsen and we literally helped assemble baskets for I think over 2,000 families for Thanksgiving yeah it was amazing and the operation just how it was put together you would think it would just be so chaotic but it wasn't I mean it was it was amazing it really was like giant craft mac and cheese station where you know (laughs) like 4,000 boxes of mac and cheese Um, But it was so cool. I mean, people just literally walked around in like a big conveyor line and just they would fill these roasting pans with all these things that apparently only cost $30 and it fed five people in a family. And like I said, we fed over 2000 people is what this this organization did. So it's really amazing to think of that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we just we helped to be a part of that. And it's a real, I don't know, it's just such a cool feeling when you sit back and look at the whole spectrum of that, you know. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I was there, and so I, I can attest that um, it was super well run, which yeah. was amazing. So it was really, that made it fun to be a part of it as yeah. well. But we had a great showing. It was a really fun group of, of Edge members that came out, and um, so that was that was a special one in November. And then we just did something in December. Um, so we partnered with the American Cancer Society. It was another opportunity that was out there. They did three different weekends, I believe, in December. This is the last weekend of it coming up um, that you could go to the mall in Oak Brook and they were doing wrapping, um, help just volunteer Christmas present wrapping for uh, kids out there and whatnot. So that was actually also led, though, by another member of ours, Chris Bowles. Mm -hmm. He's a big uh, proponent in the American Cancer Society charity. And so he had that opportunity and we put it out there. And um, I I worked every weekend in December. It's busy holiday time for people traveling. So I wasn't able to go out there and see it. But I can only imagine, same thing, you know, because Chris is really driven on that charity side of things, so I can only imagine how great it went. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing I I really love about our culture is that, um, you know, we have this vision to provide more volunteer opportunities in the community, and we have members who already are doing really significant things, and so um, to be able to tag along with them, like with Chris for December, um, we're always looking for new opportunities, so anybody who has something that is especially meaningful to them, We'd love to join you in that effort, too. Absolutely. Um, so looking forward to 2018, what are some of the new opportunities that are coming up? First up, we're going to look at providing volunteers for the F3 Half Marathon. 
we have so many of our members alone that are running the half marathon. So we want to try to get a showing of um, people out there, whether it's working a water station, whether it's distributing medals at the end, um, just, you know, trying to help. Because not only are you helping the race itself, you're you're being supportive of fellow athletes that are out there doing mm-hmm. something really great. Yeah. And then I think that we're going to look to some other things. I know there's a couple local, um, like, women's shelters that sometimes just need donations. There's even local schools that need donations. So being able to put that together, whether it's, like, coat drives or sock drives. I know that sounds kind of minor to people, but when you think about it, there's a lot of people out there that actually need that kind of stuff. So looking at doing some of those things and then, um, you know, anything that comes up, I know with a couple of the local charities, they'll always have a few different things too. So, um, I know one of our other members, Jenna, which you've had on before, I know she has this, um, I think it's a, like a pink tie ball, but it's it's a yeah. charity r- fundraiser that she started in honor of one of her fellow co-workers that passed away. Mm-hmm. So going to talk to her a little bit more and see if there's anything that we can do to help with that. Another yeah. fellow member, Katie, has a charity, Shine. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of us in the past, we have actually volunteered at that to help her out. And so just seeing what even members within us need but that'll take us outside into the community because a lot of the people that come to those things, they're not actually our members. So we still do get to be incorporated with the big community overall. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Very inspiring too. So um, just to tie this theme into our, um, our, our new, our hashtag for 2018, which is year of the complete athlete at edge. Um, why would you say that this like civic engagement community idea and concept um, is so significant to uh, creating the complete athlete? I think that athletes a lot of times put so much on, you know, those numbers and those goals of what they're trying to achieve. So that's a huge thing for them. But then when you cross that finish line or you you hit that goal, there's always someone around that you maybe don't know, but they're giving their time. You know, they're out there helping and doing this. And I think once you're on that flip side of that, just giving your time and supporting, there it's so hard to really explain unless you've done it, that kind of feeling that you get of, you know, satisfaction and pride and knowing mm. that, you know, you can give to a community that needs you. And it just, it kind of bonds you with all of your fellow teammates as as we are, you know, because we are a community. And whether Mm -hmm. I'm racing with you, I'm still your teammate because I want to come support you and cheer and um, Mm -hmm. also help along the way. A lot of those races, people think that they make so much money, but a lot of races are kind of similar to charities. They're not, they're not funding huge amounts of money, you know, Mm -hmm. they're doing it for the love of things. And that's why we race and we set goals is for the love of things. So I think mm-hmm. being able to help others fuel their passion, which is creating that race or creating that event or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's such a warm and heartwarming feeling to be able to help those people. And yeah. it just, I don't know, it, it makes me feel whole. Yeah, that's so well said. I like that you just kind of capped it off with, it makes me feel whole. And I think, yeah, that part, that aspect of just giving something of yourself, whether it's like time or talent or skill, um, that's, we're humanity and we're made to do that with each other. And it brings us together and I think just creates such a positive energy um, and adds to the already positive uh, culture at Edge, um, which is really neat, so... Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see all of the um, different opportunities that arise in 2018, and um, and hopefully we'll get a lot of members out there and um, and others to join in just some awesome community efforts. All right. For this section of the podcast, we will be talking about the daily grind uh, that athletes commit to. And we have Chris Mosier with us to discuss this concept. He is a triathlon coach and certified personal trainer and Team USA triathlete and duathlete. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. 
Um, so I guess before we get into this concept of the grind, uh, we'd like to just hear a little bit about your background, which you have an extensive uh, history of accomplishments, I would say. But maybe if you could share a couple highlights um, in terms of your life as an athlete and as a coach. Sure. I got into running after college, um, competing in 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. I'm definitely one of those athletes that works their way up in distance and okay. a challenge, as mm-hmm. I would, as in my mind, longer is harder for me. Um, I wasn't necessarily concerned with going faster, but I like the long stuff. So when I finished my marathon, I did an ultra marathon, thought, what's next? Bought a bike, taught myself how to swim, became a triathlete in, I think that was 2008 or 2009. And started doing that. So I did the same thing in triathlon, sprint, Olympic, half Ironman, Ironman, uh-huh. and just worked my way up. And uh, I love the process of training. Okay. Um, not a serial racer, so I'm really a person who just has a few races on their schedule every year mm-hmm. and uh, really just love the training process and, and being out there with other people, being out there by myself. I got my coaching certification in... 2010, I believe, uh, to make myself a better athlete initially. And so I was really interested in just learning as much as I could, reading all the books, getting the certification information from the courses to make myself better. And then I found that I I really enjoyed sharing my love of sport with other people. And so I took on beginner clients and, and trained some groups in New York City. And now I'm doing private and group coaching for triathletes, runners, cyclists, uh, and really just love getting people hooked on the sport. Yeah, that's awesome. And you yeah. work with people all over the country? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Work with people all over the country, okay. do virtual coaching mm-hmm. with a lot of people. And I moved here into Chicago about a year ago, so I haven't mm-hmm. done in-person coaching so much here as I was in New York. But uh, any any opportunity that I have to share my love of sport with other people, I think, is a is a great opportunity to yeah. build a community, to see them thrive and learn about themselves through sport. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you started um, just because really you wanted to be more educated yourself. And then it sounds like the passion just grew to share the love of the sport with other people, too. Yeah, it was totally yeah. selfish to, <laughs> to begin with. But it's definitely um, been such an amazing way to build community, to make friends, to yeah. see people thrive. Right. And actually, I don't think it's that selfish. I think, you know, if the things that we're passionate about, if we invest in those things in our lives, it's actually, I think, you know, giving to other people, which it, and that's what happened in your um, situation. So you're totally right. I've become yeah. a better person because of my investment in myself through sport. Yeah. And so, uh-huh. you know, I become a, a happier, more productive person since I've become so involved in the in the triathlon running community. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, what would you say are a couple of highlight moments for yourself as an athlete the last few years? A couple of highlight yeah. moments. If you um, can pick even just a couple. Yeah, I have had some pretty great last couple <laughs> of years. Um, first highlight would be uh, making Team USA in 2015 for the first time. I became the first transgender man to make a men's U.S. national team. And as a result, that changed the International Olympic Committee policy for transgender athletes. I'm very proud of that because Amazing. it opens the door for every athlete after me, which I think is just incredible. Yeah, um, absolutely. 2016, yeah. I got sponsored by Nike and was in ESPN Body Issue. And I think both of those were great points of visibility, not necessarily um, uh, athletic related, but but as an athlete. Sure. And then uh, this year I placed ninth at the World Championship race in Switzerland for duathlon and that was a, a very exciting moment. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, those are uh, amazing accomplishments. Um, I mean, amazing isn't a word that even does it justice, but I'm um, just thinking about the impact that you've had. Um, so thank you for all of the work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. And then uh, what about hmm, any highlight moments as a coach that, you, that stand out to you the last few years? Um, this year I coached one of my clients to his first Ironman race, which was really great to see him go through the process of just – um, become being a beginner triathlete to becoming, you know, becoming an Ironman and to mm. watch that process of, of, you know, layering on workouts and, um, you know, even when it wasn't fun, even when it wasn't what he thought it would be that every day he would layer on a little bit more confidence because he was accomplishing the smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. And it really just as a coach, it, it was a good moment for me to, to look back 
at the bigger picture of saying like, yeah, I issue these specific workouts with a goal in mind of, you know, this run is going to be a speed work and it's going to do this, this, and this in your schedule. But when we pull back and look at the bigger picture and see how all of that fits together Mm -hmm. to make him a better athlete and to accomplish his big picture goal. uh, For me, it was a a really good experience of zooming way in and then pulling way out and seeing, Mm. you know, how it all works together. Yeah. Um, one other client that I coached this year uh-huh. ran from California to New York. What? In 99 <gasps> days. Oh my gosh. And um, I have been coaching him for uh, about three years. Okay. And he did his first ultra marathon last October, a 50 miler. Wow. And told me after that race, hey, I have this wild idea. <gasps> I want to run across the country and raise money for ALS. Oh my God. Will you coach me for it? And so. It was what an honor to coach someone with that ambition. Very, very cool. And I'm so proud of him. Uh, Mike Devlin did a great job. Um, Project ALS and raised a ton of money and had a really cool experience. So oh, I love hearing those inspiring stories of when athletes have an idea that maybe seems like this, you know, wild dream or something, but actually like take the steps to do it and accomplish so much good along the way. It's mm-hmm. really awesome that mm-hmm. you could be part of that too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very cool. cool. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, we could, uh, talk with Chris for a long time about other highlights and accomplishments, but we'll, we're going to switch gears here and move into this concept of the grind, um, which you have such extensive experience as an athlete and a coach to be able to talk on this topic here, but we're really looking at how do athletes, um, really commit to this mentality of the grind, maybe especially in the winter months, um, to enable them to have a successful racing season. Oh, this is definitely the time that we need to talk about this as it gets, Uh as it gets light, um, later in the morning and earlier in the afternoon. And there's so few hours of daylight time for us to be out there and actually do our workouts. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, it makes a huge difference to work out when it's light outside. Just, it can be so daunting to get out of bed when we know it's cold, when we know it's dark. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's the same time that we did in the summer, just when it's dark and cold, it makes it a lot tougher. And so no doubt. this is definitely <laughs> the time to talk about this. Um, I, on my Instagram, have, I have two hashtags that I use on all of my photos. Um, one of them is no bad days. Hmm. And so I hashtag no bad days. I think that every, every day is a good day. Every mm-hmm. workout is a good workout because I always feel better doing it than not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my stuff is sports related, so that's why that's sure. on there. And the other one is um, hashtag no days off. Oh, and okay. so when I say no days off, I mean no days off in the sense of every day I'm doing something to get better. Okay. Not necessarily like I have a run streak going. Um, I tried to do that last year. Uh-huh. I, th- actually, this year I tried to do a run streak. I made it to 100 days and thought, there's no way I'm running on this 101st day. <laughs> like, I'm just so sick of it. Like, uh-huh. it, it was not fun anymore. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think that working out needs to be fun, but yeah. there's also this balance of getting it done. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time in the winter months where we are really faced with the challenge of, is it going to be fun? Mm -hmm. Um, or are we going, you know, not every workout inside on a treadmill, on a trainer Mm -hmm. or outside in the cold is going to be fun. So where is that balance? Because it's easy for athletes right now to say, okay, it's, you know, January and my first race isn't for four months. So do I really need to go out in the cold and get this six mile run done Mm -hmm. or, or whatever it is? I think it's, it's a real challenge for us to make those decisions now because if we make too many decisions of saying I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. we end up in the hole. Right. Um, if we are pushing ourselves too much, it ends up not being fun anymore. Yeah. And exactly. I think that this is really the time where we need to find that balance between, you know, resetting after a long season mm-hmm. and also setting ourselves up for a really great 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the way that you, you said all that and summarized that. And I'm thinking, it sounds so good. How do I find that balance? I mean, would you say it's like a personalized endeavor for each athlete and, you know, you work with your coach to figure it out or how would you go about finding that? So this is a great thing. Like I just said all that stuff and I'll be very (laughs) honest with you before I came over here, Uh I had a run on my schedule for 80 minutes, a a fun run. So my coach said, make it fun. No, no set pace. And it's kind of snowy outside today, so right. I was slipping around anyway. 
it was cold, uh, five degrees. Mm -hmm. And I went outside and I did not wear appropriate clothing today. Uh-oh. And I always say there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. Yep. And I think that's something to think about in these months. Sure. Um, so I am not a person who likes to use clothing as an excuse for not getting my workouts done. Uh-huh. And I'm also someone who really loves to run outside. I started this run and I decided after 20 minutes that I was not feeling it. Uh-huh. And at 25 minutes turned around and cut about 30 minutes off of my, my supposed to be workout today mm-hmm. because it wasn't fun. Mm. And I thought about this afterwards of like, okay, here's me talking about um, HTFU, like harden mm-hmm. them up, yep. right? As the winter slogan of saying yeah. there's no bad, clo- uh, no bad weather, just bad clothing choices uh-huh. and all of this stuff. But also I just wasn't having a good time. Uh-huh. And there are going to be days like that. Mm-hmm. And so we can either push through those mm-hmm. days and get the workout done. Mm-hmm. Or at a certain point we can say, I've pushed for long enough today. And now I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a time and a place for both of those answers. Yeah. And the the great question is, how do we determine when that is? Uh Right. Um, So I think I like to challenge myself in these winter months. And I tell my athletes to challenge themselves to get the workouts done. Mm -hmm. That it shouldn't be an excuse of it was too dark. It's too cold. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And there will be days when we just don't want to do it. And for my athletes, I say, go out on your run, right? Start your run. And after 10 minutes, if you still decide that you hate everything about this, mm-hmm. turn around and come back. At least you got 20 minutes in, mm-hmm. right? This time of the year, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If it happens consistently, okay. then it becomes a problem. Right. Like I can't I tell it. you the last time that I cut a run like that, you know, that, that I've just decided I was too cold. I couldn't feel my hands that all of these different things happened to me today. Sure. And I just said, Nope, I'm done. Yeah. So, Uh you know, it's very, uh, few and far between that that happens. And I, Uh and that's why I felt okay about it today. And also knowing that I'll do a little extra tomorrow and, and feel like that balances out a little bit, you know, with the permission of my coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as you're talking, I'm thinking like, it's okay to experiment as an athlete too. And, you know, push the limits in either direction to maybe find that balance, like, um, and maybe base, um, base the whole experience on like what your satisfaction level is. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you do cut the run early and you're like, okay, you know, that was, that was a good choice for me today. Like I'm satisfied that I went out, I tried, I got something done versus, you know, feeling like, oh, I actually, you know, could have pushed it out or something like that. Um, but we'll yeah. always have that, right? Like, I was yeah. pissed when I came home. I'll be very honest. <laughs> You're and, right. What and am my, I? And my wife was like, why are you mad, bro? <laughs> and <laughs> You're I, the one that chose and, to come back. Exactly. And yeah. I was like, well, you know, I didn't do what I was supposed to do today. And I'm a little disappointed in myself. Uh-huh. But also at the same time, I was not having a good time. And so, like, yeah. you know, all of this is to say within the framework of everything that we do now is going to make us a better athlete in three months. Mm-hmm. And so I think of this in terms of my fueling, my rest and recovery, mm-hmm. and my workouts. Yeah. All, all of those factors that the, if I eat chocolate cake every day <laughs> for three weeks now, I'm going to see it in three months. That's how I feel. Right. I feel like I'm, that's going to show up for me down the road. Right. I'm not going to, f- maybe I'll feel it tomorrow. But, you know, for me, it's like the decisions that I make now are going to show up in weeks from now. Uh-huh. That everything that I do, if my rest and recovery is off for two weeks now in the holidays, then I, that's going to that's gonna affect how I'm feeling February 1st. Uh-huh. And so I try to think of that future me. Okay. Is future me going to be happy with this decision? Now, all of the workouts and the work that we're putting in now, the doing the trainer sessions when it's hard and when we don't want to, you know, if it's too cold for me outside, then get on a treadmill. Learn to love the treadmill, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I don't know a whole lot of people who love treadmills. And so I think a lot of people think of that as a grind, mm. right? So within the framework of getting the pieces done that we need to get done now to make ourselves a better, more complete athlete in the future, mm-hmm. you know, that's when it's okay to make these one-off decisions of mm-hmm. I'm not feeling it today mm-hmm. or I need to cut this short. Got it. Yeah. So it's in that larger vision, that larger framework that it's exactly. okay to maybe once in a long while make a choice to say, I put, I'm past my limit today. Exactly. So, yeah. and now's the time I think that it's okay to do that because if you go into the season feeling fried, 
it's not going to be a very successful year. Uh-huh. This is really a time where we need to both reset and set the foundation and the groundwork for a really excellent 2018 season. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, and what I'm hearing you say too is building those tiny habits now um, so that you can you can see the um, fruit of that in a couple of months when you're really in the midst of your builds for the season. Exactly. And that's yeah. this idea of no days off, that every okay. single day I'm doing something. So if I don't have a run on my schedule and I have a rest day, then I'm going to be doing something on that day, reading an article, doing mm. some foam rolling and mobility work, something to make myself a better athlete. Mm-hmm. And so that's those consistent habits mm-hmm. of doing something every single day to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for the best possible season. Yeah, I love it. And what would you say about um, this idea of the grind individually versus in community? For instance, you know, are there days, you know, you just have to individually grind it out um, by yourself? Um, Or, for instance, you know, I'm an athlete that I think I do really well with other people, Mm -hmm. um, but I can't always be with other people, right? So um, how do I use both of those situations when I'm with others and on my own to, like, actually do this thing of grinding it out? We can definitely find inspiration and motivation in community Mm -hmm. and use that as a way to fuel our workouts and our passion. And I know, you know, there's nothing like a good group run just to have other people out there grinding it out, suffering with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that those are, are really great experiences to have right now. And now is the time for a lot of people to do that as well, because as we get into more specific tailored trainings toward specific races in the season, mm-hmm. you know, your training schedule might not match up with your friend who's a similar pace of you, as you are on do, you're doing training runs right now. Right. So now is a great time to find community to, to enjoy those, those runs with other people. Okay. But think about there's also this confidence building that happens when you go out and do something hard on your own mm-hmm. and, and, or even an easy run. Mm-hmm but it's 10 degrees outside, mm-hmm. right? And, and to know that you can do that on your own. I think each of those, you know, workouts that you do before work when it's still dark outside and people are still sleeping, yeah. all of that is confidence boosting to mm-hmm. know that you can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think the, the thing that I think about is hard things are hard, mm-hmm. period, right? Hard things are hard. Right. And it's hard to wake up and it's hard to do a trainer session where you are physically going nowhere for an hour and a half. And it's, you know, those are, those are challenging things for you to do and to know that you can make it through, that you can, that you can grind it out and get them done, I think is a big deal. And all of that layers on top of the last workout on top of the last workout Mm -hmm. so that you have, you know, it's like money in the bank. By the time you get (laughs) to March or April, you have all of this confidence from doing the hard things Mm -hmm. in the winter months when other people might be sleeping in when other people are deciding not to go out. Mm-hmm. Right. Whew. Wow. Well, I definitely feel inspired. Um, Chris mentioned it's five degrees in Chicago right now. This has been a very <laughs> cold week. Um, but to still get out there and to make those daily decisions to commit. Um, so um, we're going to wrap up here, but is there anything else that you wanted to say on this topic or that I haven't asked already? Yeah, I think you can be a seasonal athlete mm-hmm. or you can be a complete athlete. Mm. And a seasonal athlete are the people who come to me, and there's nothing wrong with this uh-huh. because this fits into some people's lives perfectly, and it's a totally valid way to be an athlete. But the seasonal athlete will take off from November to March, sign up for a late summer race, and start to train, right? right? But there are also people that this is part of their lives, and this is the way that they, the way that they truly live, that it's mm-hmm. going to group runs, it's doing the little things, the strength work now doing the recovery and mobility work now Mm -hmm. to make themselves better for March, April and their late season races as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, is it, is this, and is athletics something that you are a seasonal athlete and that's totally fine Mm -hmm. and you're taking this time off Mm -hmm. or are you a complete athlete and you're going to be doing this year round, every little thing to make yourself better. And now's the time that people really, really get better. So I challenge everyone Mm -hmm. to, to grind it out when, when it's not fun, know that hard things are hard and to make themselves, you know, realize that the work they're doing today will show up this season when it matters.
This is Chris Mosier now taking over the mic <laughs> and the interviewing position. I know you're laughing because we're going to turn the tables here. Uh, what we're going to talk about now is intention with Laura. So, Laura, before we start to talk about that, will you give us a brief background about uh, your history as a coach, as an athlete, and anything else you think we should know? Sure. Uh, thanks, Chris. So, um, yeah, I guess a little bit of my background as an athlete. Um, I've, you know, always enjoyed sports, um, played soccer, ran track and cross country um, throughout school and whatnot. And then um, I would say after college, got a little bit more serious about running races and triathlon and um, really liked triathlon, but was definitely a seasonal athlete. And then I would say a couple years ago, became more committed and just really acknowledged my love for the sport more. Um, got into nationals, which was a surprise to me. I like, didn't even know what this is all about. Um, and so did my research and um, decided to work with a coach, learned so much. Um, so I felt like my world was really opened up in terms of, um, what the sport's about and, um, just, um, the training and racing process. And so loved that journey so much as my, you know, being my own athlete that I, um, I thought, Hey, I want to support other people to experience this too. So, um, very recently I just got a coaching certification actually in triathlon, um, last spring. So it hasn't even been a full year, but, um, dove right in and had athletes last spring and through the summer, um, triathletes and some, um, some running athletes as well and loved it. Uh, so I'm really excited about continuing with that. Um, but it's, it's definitely a more recent endeavor for me. And, um, then integrated in with all of that, I found edge a couple of years ago as well. And, uh, used Edge a couple times as an athlete and then started working there, um, which has just been uh, just a phenomenal, you know, part of my life. Like just like really neat surprise gift, I would say, because I didn't really have the knowledge of Edge or the intention to become so involved. But mm -hmm. I found that I've received so much from being a part of that community. Um, so I just feel really grateful to be able to, you know, invest in that community and receive from them, too. So. Yeah, that's great. The community aspect is so important. I know we've mentioned it yeah. a number of times, but it's just so important to have like-minded people around you yeah. and, and supportive people in your yes. life like that. Yeah. So in your journey that you just mentioned, it sounded like a pretty clear shift when your intentions started to change as an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like nationals was, was maybe the catalyst for that, but mm -hmm. you started off as a seasonal athlete. I did. And now it sounds like athletics and, and triathlon is a primary piece of your life. Yeah. How, um, talk about how your intentions have shifted over time. Sure. Um, so yeah, triathlon is now like an integral part of my life. You're right. I actually, my whole background, like career wise is in social work. Mm -hmm. Um, so did that for years and years and years. And I, um, that was very consuming. And I think maybe part of the reason I kept triathlon is just sort of on the back burner and would, you know, just be seasonal. Um, about my training and racing. Um, but I learned that triathlon really fuels me, you know, mm -hmm. and just, um, I don't know, just empowers me in so many different ways. And so, um, started leaning into that more and, um, took a little career path change, which would be maybe a different podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you're right. My intention sort of shifted, um, when I like opened up my mind and heart to triathlon a couple years ago and, um, saw, I guess what was out there and I just started dreaming more and, um, um, a very clear goal I had, um, paired with intention was going to nationals and, um, you know, seeing how well I could do there. And, um, so I, I had intention, you know, to go, to do really well, um, and I think that's why, you know, I found a coach and in your section, you talk about the daily grind of this podcast. And, and I think I was really there. I mean, I was like following mm -hmm. my workouts to a T um, and really wanted to see the fruit at the end of that. Um, but it's been interesting to see like so that would have been, let's see. I, actually only a year and a half ago, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, and then since then, since that journey, uh, to nationals, I, um, got pregnant and had a baby. Congratulations. And so thank you. And so my, um, 
trajectory shifted a little bit, I would say. So I actually, when I heard I was asked to talk about intention, felt a little bit uncomfortable, like, well, what do I have to say about that right now? Um, but then, you know, just reflecting on my experience as a whole and really thinking about the word intention, I sort of came to accept and acknowledge that that has always been a part of my journey. Like I'm, I'm a very intentional person. Um, and, uh, and really see the value of, you know, making choices every day to get what you want and go for what you want, Mm -hmm. but that my goals have fluctuated, um, you know, because my, um, my life has changed with now having a baby. Right, right. So you've used the words intention and goals in the same sentence throughout this conversation. (laughs) So I'm wondering, can you talk a little bit more about that? Do you have to have a goal first before you have intention or do you have to have intention first before a goal or does it not matter? They can come in different orders. Like how do those two words work together? Oh man. Yeah. That's a good question. I think probably, I don't know, but, um, I'll try talking about it. So, um, I think intention is more to me, more of like a lifestyle, um, and something that can be more consistent and more constant, um, but that goals can um, can shift. I think if you have intention, you have responsibility in your life, and you probably are creating and making goals along the way. Uh-huh. But that those are going to look very different. So, for example, you know, I had a very clear goal of like doing well at nationals, let's say, um, and um, and then when I um, got pregnant, I had a clear goal of staying fit. It's a little bit more broad, you know, right, not as right. specific, but then, um, but that was my intention. And I made daily choices, you know, to make that happen, to stay fit and healthy. And then now I would say, um, I'm kind of still in like the postpartum period. So I, my baby's like three months old. And so, um, I have intention to like rebuild and recover, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and sort of find that athlete self again. And I am making like daily choices to do that. I'm going to physical therapy and, um, you know, and surrounding myself by, you know, maybe like-minded people to support me and help me out. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think there's a fuzzy line. They're kind of really integrated to me. Right, I don't know if right. that makes sense. Yeah, it totally yeah. makes sense. It sounds like intention is maybe what drives us towards our goals. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well said. Um, Well, you know, I think about it like I had, I had the every intention of making my bed this morning, but I definitely left my house with that, with it unmade. Uh And so our intentions need to have some, some drive behind them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and it sounds like you are setting these goals for yourself and using intention, like your intention to stay fit, to make the choices that you're making right now. Right. Yeah. I think that's super well said, well summarized. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's when we think about the people that we want to be, you know, I, I, I want to be known as a, an intentional person and somebody who's responsible for my life choices. And, um, and I just, I think recently with the life changes I've experienced have, um, noticed even more like how important that is to keep that consistent, even though, you know, obstacles are going to come up and life's going to look different in um, certain seasons. So let's talk about how then you make those pivots, right? You had the intention of doing great at nationals uh-huh. and then your life situation changed. You got pregnant uh-huh. and had a child. Yeah. Your intentions now look very different. Was it challenging uh-huh. for you to, to make the pivot and the shift in your intentions or was it sort of a natural process of like, here's my new life situation and we need to reassess? so challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's been so hard. Yeah. Because I think I like really created such an identity for myself, at least like as an athlete and as a competitor, even though it was maybe just like a few months is like, okay, I'm diving into this world and I love it and it feels so good. And this is part of who I am. And I found this piece of me and then, um, being pregnant and having a baby has sort of like strip some of that away for a little while. And so it had, it has been challenging to accept that, that like my life has changed as an athlete. Um, and I think, I guess when you talk about how do you pivot, um, for me, it's been like, I have to acknowledge it like that. That's true. Like this is, these are real things that are happening. My identity is shifting a little bit and really talk about it and surround myself with people who have like done this before. You know, there's so many, um, mom athletes out there that I've received a lot of inspiration from. And that's been, I think a really important part of my journey too. I would say I, um, 
I thrive like in community and with other people. So being alone in my head or alone with my baby is just, it's hard. So I'm a person that like, I need to reach out. I need to get that kind of support. Um, and so when I see that other people have done it and are doing it, it's really encouraging to me. Yeah. I think that's (laughs) such great advice to be in community as well, because I think about life changes, not just for new parents, but also for anyone who has switched jobs in the last year, who moved to a new, a new home you know, there are so many different life situations coming off of injury right. where our goals and intentions need to scale and change. And they're not the same as the year before. And they're not right. the same maybe as the beginning of the year. Right. You know, and now when we're talking in, in January of people making goals for this year, mm-hmm. is that's a great thing to keep in mind mm-hmm. that you have to be a little flexible with it, it sounds like. Yeah, I think flexibility is a great word. And managing your expectations, that's been a good thing for me to think about too. And also just embracing where I am. I think it's very easy to like think back to when I did things this way or when I had workouts or, you know, two a days scheduled or something and I felt so good in my body and just acknowledging like, yeah, that was great. That was real. And now it's different and still saying like, this is great too. Like my life looks different now, but it's still great. And I still am gifted with like, a, with a beautiful baby and family and, um, and just have gratitude, I think, you know, for for the present, for how things are now. And yet still, you know, have intention to shift back into that athlete mentality and mode in the coming months. Right, right. So I think now this is the perfect time for us to be talking (laughs) about this because people are fresh in their resolutions, setting up their season of races and Mm -hmm. training and talking about their goals. And so do you have any tips for people who who are thinking, how do I get clear on my intentions Mm -hmm. or my goals? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, good question. Um, well, I think hmm, the first thing I would say is it's important to maybe have like a larger vision, more broad goal maybe for your year. Um, and then also have some specific ones too. and be willing to, to change them as time goes on. I think that's really important too, because it's so easy to be maybe, or for me to be black and white about my goals and then feel, um, like an utter failure if I don't reach mm-hmm. the exact goal that I had. So just to be willing to shift things, I think is great, but creating them, um, I think it's important to do some, you know, reflection on your own, maybe some meditation on your own to try to get a little bit more clear about what you want and where you want to go and be unafraid to dream. Um, but then to also connect that with, um, with other people, you know, so if you're working with a coach, obviously you're probably talking with your coach about your goals too. Um, but if not, you know, your other athlete friends or family members and just talking about, yeah, what's realistic, um, what's, what's also that big, you know, scary dream goal, what's in the middle and, um, yeah. And, and figure out where you want to go. I mean, I think it's, it's really up to you. So as we're thinking about becoming complete athletes, uh, is there anything else that you think that, folks need to know about intentions, about being intentional or, or intentionality throughout the season? Yeah. Um, I would say to be clear with, you know, setting your intention and integrating your goals with that, you know, the, the large, broader goals and then some specific goals to be unafraid to change them and to set up a great support system for yourself along the way. And that's a wrap for this episode. As you dive into this year, remember to fuel well, get involved in the community, commit to the daily grind, and live with intention. Thanks as always for joining us. And here at Edge, we hope your 2018 is one of your best years yet.